This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. And let me give special thanks to some of our newer patrons, Gunter B, Ashley B, Christina G, Jasmine D, and Rachel B. I'm sorry, did I say Christina G? I meant Christina G. But yes, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. And as Jessica and I... We're uh, just saying the news is changing rapidly in both of us before we went to bed last night. Uh, got the news about Trump getting COVID, which clearly proves atheists were wrong this mm-hmm. whole time. Yep. God. There's a loving God. And he's Karma looking is real. I know. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Like, it's weird. Like, I feel here's a couple of quick thoughts that came to my head is one is like, I'm not evil, so I hope he gets better. But also, what did he expect would happen? Like, I think I just read somewhere, like, in Europe, the biggest Google search this morning has been schadenfreude. (laughs) Like, like, what did you think was going to happen? And also, if Biden got it instead of Trump, what do you think he would be saying right now? Like, can you imagine? I um, am not as good a person as you. I hope that he suffers like he i i think trump has just broken my ability to empathize or something because he has put so many people in danger trying to underplay this thing and turns out he was like at least practicing what he preached because he wasn't you know getting precautions himself and he got in fucking marine one when they knew somebody like tested positive for covid it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what this is the consequences of of your actions. What do you And I uh, think as we are recording right now, Senator Mike Lee, who is a Republican, has also tested positive, and he was one of many who already met with Amy Coney Barrett this week without face masks. She has <laughs> tested negative oh. so far. But again, they're moving forward with her nomination and her confirmation hearings as we say this. Who knows right. what will happen in three minutes? But yeah, I mean like This is exactly what we said would happen. And by the way, the reporting was that they were trying to hope Hicks, his assistant, got the virus. And presumably that's how Trump got it. That's why Mm -hmm. he tested. Because a reporter said she has tested positive. They didn't want to release that information. Mm -hmm. The reporter said she got tested. So naturally, people were asking Trump. That's why he got tested. He wasn't already, I guess. And had the reporter not told the world about Hope Hicks, who knows if they would even tell us. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he had got tested positive. What, what, what's gonna kind of roll out of this? And I mean, I know for a fact that he, after beat, so there was a time between Hope Hicks testing positive and him testing positive. So there was a time that he was exposed to somebody with COVID and then continued to just like go about his, his business. He had yeah. a fundraiser. Like it, this man has so little regard for the health. Without mask, without distancing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he knew and he did the fundraiser. Uh, Rana McDaniel, the Romney relative, who's the head of the Republican national committee knew she had tested positive also, but did an interview where she didn't bring anything up about it. Like this is part of their, strategy which is we'll just avoid all the stuff we don't like pandemic whatever doesn't really exist so i don't know i part of me is like what did you think would happen i mike pence 
is not on the list of people Trump actually spent a lot of time with this week. <laughs> so He's that's tested negative as of right now, but like, what did they think would happen? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's sort of hard. Like, it's just hard. Do you to- think any? Do you think? Sorry. Do you think anyone will change? Any of Trump's supporters will be like, "Oh, I guess it's not a hoax now. Maybe I should change my vote." I don't know. I don't know. My concern is that is that if Trump and or Melania get it and then have a pretty mild case and bounce back, it will sort of double it will double everybody down of like whatever we can get it and it's not a big deal it's not the end of the world that's i think the worst possible outcome of that this. trump just bounces back and it's not an issue right. for him because he uh, has the best medical care in the world because he has to because he's the president right and access to tests every fucking day which would yeah. be nice um but so that's my main concern however his general overall health leads me to think that he probably won't bounce back super quick from this just because he's in his seventies and doesn't eat well or exercise or take care of himself or sleep or have a conscience. And I think all those things are going to be factors and, and how he does. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, we both found out around one. I was frantically texting a lot of people. Um, thankfully my friends on the West because it was 1am. So thankfully my friend, uh, in Portland was still up. So I could talk to somebody because I just like was electrified. I couldn't go to bed. I it was just such a huge, like it took a long time for it to sink in. Cause I was like, Oh, this is, is this fake? Is this a prank? Is this an onion thing that went viral? (laughs) But yeah, I was just, yeah, it's truly wild. It's, I'm watching the news. I've been watching the news we'll all morning. Ugh. Do you want to talk know. about other things that will still maybe be relevant in 12 minutes? <laughs> sure. Uh, let me start with this because this is wild and this just kind of happened yesterday. So in Alabama, if you want to vote, let's say you want to do a mail-in uh, ballot or you want to register to vote, you got to fill out an application letting them know you're a citizen, you live in Alabama, all that good stuff. Part of it is you got to sign what's called a voter declaration. Basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's like I solemnly swear or affirm to support and defend the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. So help me God. Mm-hmm. That's in there. There's no alternative to that oath. You have to sign it. And recently, an atheist basically contacted the Alabama Secretary of State and said, I can't sign this. Like, I don't believe in God. So I can't say, so help me God. And by the way, there's a little statement underneath that oath that says, if you falsely sign this statement, meaning you sign it, uh, but it's not your signature or you sign it and you don't agree with what it says, Mm -hmm. you can be convicted and imprisoned for up to five years for perjury. So like he's saying, I can't sign this and mean it. So what do you want me to do? Right? Right. And the easy answer would be, well, let us give you a version of this that doesn't have those last four words. So help me God. Here's an alternative because it's an oath. Like, just don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, They said, nope, nothing we can do. You got to sign it. Otherwise, you can't register to vote. And he's like, but I don't want to commit perjury. Yeah. And they're like, too bad. Sign the oath. So now, the, um, the last year when he went to do this, the Freedom From Religion Foundation sent a letter to state officials saying, again, what you're doing is illegal. You need to give this guy an alternative. 
they basically wrote back to FFRF and said, nope, no alternative. This is what we got. If we want to change it, it's got to be a legislative change. (sighs) Like going to Alabama lawmakers and saying, I need you to get rid of, so help me God. Like Mm -hmm. that's not going to get anywhere. So now FFRF has filed a federal lawsuit on behalf of four atheists in Alabama. There are four. And they basically say the state of Alabama is coercing a statement of belief in order to register to vote. And one fact that I did not know, but this is, I'm going to read this as it's stated in the lawsuit. 48 states in the U.S. do not require voters to swear, so help me God, in order to register to vote. The lone exception, North Dakota, doesn't require voters to register at all. (laughs) Alabama (laughs) is the only state that has voter registration forms that violate the rights of conscience of voters (laughs) who are non-theists. So they just want a quick, we want the judge to say the state has violated the Constitution and let's move on from this and whatever the consequences are. But basically, the facts here don't appear to be in dispute. So FFRF is saying, hey, judge, just give us the ruling. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but in theory, and I, I realize a lot of people may be listening and thinking, who cares? Just sign the oath. It's just so help me God. But again, that's that's caving in to what mm-hmm. Christians want you to do. They want you to think this is not a big deal. But again, if you actually take their wording seriously, they want you to pledge an oath to their God in order to allow you to vote. Even though most people would just sign the paperwork, not think twice about it, mm-hmm. it is still wrong. And that is something that deserves to be corrected. We'll see if that happens. But again, this is the state where Roy Moore was the head of the Supreme Court like two separate times where right. it's the Deep South. I know this stuff happens, but like good for them. I hope, I mean, they should win. There's no explanation here that would, that I can imagine allows Alabama to get away with it. But anyway, um, yeah, that definitely falls under the things that we talk about a lot, like having nativity scenes on um, public property or whatever that like, no, ultimately it doesn't really matter. But also that sort of thing contributes to a uh, an overall society where we're like, well, it, it makes it easier for people to point to the dollar bill or whatever and say, see, it says God everywhere. So it must be okay. So yeah, especially like right now with with what's going on, it feels a little small, but I, I think it's good that we're still plugging away on on stuff like this. That, you know, it's it's something of a of a snowball. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go to Amy Coney Barrett since we mentioned her right now. Yeah. The, we have to talk about her because right now she's still the nominee. They're still gonna mm-hmm. hold hearings. So of the many things we know about her, we know she's conservative. We know Trump would not have nominated her if the Federalist Society didn't tell him to. And the only reason they would have recommended her is because they know where she stands on all their issues. They're basically telling Trump, this one's fine. Get her through. Right. And the biggest issue there we're talking is abortion. Like, so this always comes up for anyone who doesn't follow this closely. Every judge, they will be like, what do you think about Roe v. Wade? Especially if you're conservative. And the conservatives have to give an answer. Like, I believe in legal precedent. Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Uh, So abortion is legal. It doesn't matter what my personal beliefs are. Mm -hmm. I will uphold precedent. But of course, precedent just means you do whatever the higher courts tell you. 
And the Supreme Court is the one court that gets to say, you know, that thing we said way back when? Yeah, that was wrong. We're going to undo that. So like saying that just because a law has been around for a while, the Supreme Court is the one place where you could say, yeah, we were wrong. We're going to fix that now. Mm -hmm. So normally, uh, Amy Coney Barrett would say during her confirmation hearings, like, it doesn't matter what my personal beliefs are. I respect law. I don't I'm not going to weigh in on specifics. That way she can get on the court and then say, abortion, evil, let's overturn it. But, and this is important to know, if if the timeline is correct here, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on a Friday. By mm-hmm. Saturday, Trump called Amy Coney Barrett up and said, I need you to come here to the White House so I can meet with you. And like, I think within a day or two, he had offered her the position. She accepted it. And then it was like two days before he formally announced it. He waited till her... Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was lying in state Mm -hmm. until he announced it. So we didn't find out until a week later, but basically she had the job two days later. And what that means, besides the, he didn't even vet anybody else. They didn't even try to ask like multiple people. Yeah, there was no shortlist. There was no shortlist. There's one name, right? And the thing is, when that happens, no one has looked into her. That's like saying Sarah Palin should be the vice president without doing your due diligence. It's saying like, oh, shit, she may have a past, a record that no one has had time to examine. Mm -hmm. And they just assume she's going to be fine. But with Brett Kavanaugh, like clearly people found out stuff after the fact. Mm -hmm. Um, With her, the question is how quickly we'll be able to find out stuff because Trump didn't vet her. The conservatives just like her because she is conservative on paper. But they don't know everything and reporters are digging quickly. So one of the things that was uncovered is that in 2017, she was uh, nominated to the appellate court and they held a confirmation hearing. We found out only after that, that she belongs to this Catholic group called People of Praise. That's like a not church affiliated sect Okay. That believes a lot of weird stuff. And the the conversation has been, how dare you question her faith? It's irrelevant, whatever. They don't want anyone questioning her religious beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that let me tell you a couple things about this church, first of all. This is what we're finding out now. This is a church that used to say on its website, they can heal the sick. They can raise the dead. That is the thing they believe. That was scrubbed huh. from their website in 2008 or maybe early 2009. Um, This is the group that also, I I know we talked about this, uh, women used to be called handmaids until that became a word with very bad connotations. Now they say something else. Um, um, For uh, the Associated Press found out, former female members of the group said wives were expected to obey their husband's wishes in all matters, including providing sex on demand. One woman said she was forbidden from getting birth control because women were supposed to bear as many babies as God would provide. Sure. And again, do you even question her on this? Republicans will complain if they're like, who cares what she does in her private life? It's her religion. Um, (laughs) And the question has been, well, the only thing anyone ought to care about is how this affects her thinking. I know we've discussed this already, but she has written about how Catholic judges should approach uh cases when their beliefs may contradict the law. Mm -hmm. But here's one of the big ones that came out this week. And literally, I think this came out yesterday, uh, Thursday. In 2006, the right to a group called Right to Life, St. Joseph County, where uh, in Indiana, I believe, put out a two page ad 
in the South Bend Tribune that called for, quote, an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe v. Wade. And she, as a Notre Dame professor, law professor, signed Mm -hmm. her name to that statement. Not only did they call Roe v. Wade barbaric and abortion barbaric, they also opposed in vitro fertilization because that procedure may involve like trying to fertilize several eggs. And if one of them works, then that one gets implanted into the woman. What do they do with the rest of them? They toss them out and they call that an abortion. Mm-hmm. And so this group also opposed IVF. And it's like, holy crap, that's insanely conservative to the point where even anti-abortion people are like, okay, you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. She signed her name to that. Like that is as clear a statement as you will ever find for a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. who said like she she can't get away with saying, Oh, I don't I don't have an opinion on this precedent has been set like no we have you on the record right. saying barbaric so like just to be clear when trump says oh roe v wade we didn't talk about roe v wade we don't know anything about her views that's a lie republicans know, exactly. know her views she's radically to the right like nothing is okay for her except natural birth um and apparently as many natural births as someone can have i mean i'll give this to them at least they're intellectually consistent she is like she's the type of person that would say if you got raped i don't care you're gonna have your rapist baby which i think yeah you're right liberals would say that's logically consistent if not Mm -hmm. purely evil but also holy crap that person has no business weighing in on the law that could affect other women i don't care what she does with her uterus it's what everyone else will do and if she is able to get her way Again, if you live in a state with Republican lawmakers, a majority Republican lawmakers or governor, like you're screwed if you don't have money. You won't be able to get an abortion unless you could travel out of there and go to like a decent state with decent leaders. So that's scary. Right now, I don't know if they're going to postpone. I can't imagine Republicans will postpone the hearings because, again, their goal is to get her confirmed before the election. Therefore, she could be on the Supreme Court and weigh in on the election if there's any doubt. Um, I did find one conservative voice who does not want her on the court. Really? Yes. Jesse Lee Peterson, the radio host, who uh, we've talked about in the past because he has said educated women with degrees do not make for good wives and mothers. That's true. I'm a terrible wife. (laughs) What he said on his radio show this week is, I'm going to paraphrase here, she should not go on the Supreme Court because it will mean she cannot stay home and raise her children. Listen... <laughs> we took different roads, but we got to the same place. <laughs> I know. I, I part of me is like the enemy of my enemy is still somehow my enemy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to like that was a goof. He's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me jump to something totally different. Um, because I need to get away from politics in general for a second to cleanse my mind. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember? Have you heard of the name Ravi Zacharias? Mm-mm, I don't think so. He's a Christian apologist. He's an Indian uh, Christian apologist who, when I became an atheist, he is one of the people whose books Christians would recommend. Like, if you read this, you will transform into a Christian. Because um, he's one of those guys who would debate atheists. He would talk about why Christianity makes sense. There's, uh-huh. a, there's a bunch of prominent apologists out there. He was one of them, though. He had a pretty big ministry. He died this past May. 
Um, Mike Pence spoke at his funeral. Like that's how prominent okay. this guy was. Um, and that was, you would think, kind of the end of his story. Maybe his ministry lives on for a little longer, but that's kind of the end of it. Uh, one of the things he became famous for in the past few years is that it was discovered he had lied about his credentials. He would call himself Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And it turns out he didn't have any earned doctorates. He had oh. some honorary uh, doctorates from like Christian schools. But again, you don't call yourself a doctor with an honorary doctorate. Like right. that, that's not right. And anyone right. who gets one of those knows that. Right. So he lied about that. He doesn't have academic credentials, which again, not a problem. You don't need them, but don't pretend you have them. The other reason he was in the news a couple years ago um, is because a married woman claimed he was sexting with her and that when she threatened to go public with it, like uh, he came out with the story like this woman is trying to extort me for cash. And they there was a lawsuit involved. It was settled privately. And one of the things he wrote in there is, uh, I quote, this is a statement on his website. I love my wife with all my heart and have been absolutely faithful to her these more than 16,000 days of marriage. Okay, whatever. It was, mm -hmm. again, private settlement. We didn't know the two sides. The woman in question here has not said anything since. Okay, so that's where we were. He dies in May. Mike mm -hmm. Pence speaks at his funeral. And then a few weeks ago, I got... I got a link to a video. This is from a lawyer named Steve Bauman, who happens to also be the atheist. He's an atheist. He's also the guy who was kind of the first to sound the alarm about the lying credentials on his resume. He puts out a video basically saying, did you know, like, Ravi Zacharias also had a side hustle? He owned spas. Like, he owned two businesses in Georgia, which, whatever. All right. This guy's uh -huh. rich, so he owns some businesses. But according to Steve Bauman, he talked to like three women who worked at these spas who claimed, um, I'm quoting here, they, that Zacharias was, quote, sexually out of control with the female therapists over whom he had professional power. Now, out that was of control? out of control. And Jeez. I saw that video and I'm like, well, he doesn't he doesn't name the women. He doesn't really tell us anything about them. It seems like it's secondhand information. And so part of me is like. It's not that I don't trust Steve. It's that it's only kind of one source. I'm not the sort of journalist that's digging into this right now. I don't have the resources other ones do. So I kind of wanted to wait for more confirmation. And then this week uh, at Christianity Today, which is a prominent magazine publication, mm -hmm. Daniel Silliman, one of their reporters, spoke with the women. And so this is the story from Christianity Today. Three women who worked at those spas said Ravi Zacharias, and I'm quoting here, touched them inappropriately, Ew. exposed himself, and masturbated during regular treatments over a period of about five years. Um, uh, I'm quoting later, Zacharias masturbated in front of one of the women more than 50 times, according <gasps> to a recollection. He also asked her to have sex with him twice, she said, and requested explicit photos of her. Uh, and I would also add, Christianity Today said they verified the identities and job histories of the three women. So that's Christianity Today reporting on that. And the uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, the ministry that he ran, basically put out a statement saying we deny everything, but we have hired investigators to look into this. And that's about as specific as they got. We don't know who the 
investigators are. We don't know how independent it is. We mm-hmm. don't know if they kind of have a, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't know if they have some reason to put out a finding in the favor of Ravi Zacharias. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things they could also do is just say, hey, you know that woman who signed the uh sexting lawsuit settlement why don't you release her from the non-disclosure agreement so we can get more information on what this guy was like because maybe there are some patterns here that might shed some light on this the ministry says we are not releasing her from the nda right now Mm -hmm. um one uh one other so okay ravi zacharias is not around to defend himself i think that is important to note um but again what information at this point is anyone looking for that they don't have uh, that's kind of the question. I asked Steve Bauman, like, what did he think of Christianity's Christianity Today's investigation? Because he's the one that kind of sounded the alarm. So now they dug into it. They found what he was saying to be accurate, or at least they they confirmed it. And what he told me is the story here isn't Ravi Zacharias. I'm quoting now. It is about Christian enabling. <laughs> uh, big evangelism is not much different from big tobacco. They don't care how bad the product they're selling is as long as it generates power and money. The evangelical code of silence is very, very real. It took a sex scandal to get Ravi's misconduct on the front pages. And he added, you know what shakes me up about this? How close Ravi came to getting away with it. And I would just add, like, to an extent, he did get away with it because this all happened while he was living and it never came up. Sure. And, of course, the women involved, I mean, may have very well had an incentive not to speak up because who would believe them against this famous apologist so famous that the vice president is later speaking at your funeral? Huh. Um, one other thing I just want to uh, point out is that Christianity Today published that article, which, as far as I can tell, I mean, reading through it, that was solid reporting, spoke with them, confirmed the identities. They had to add a second article, basically saying, let us tell you why we published this first article to their Christian audience. Like some of you, like the implication there is that some Christians, some evangelicals may be mad at the magazine Mm. at Christianity Today for reporting on the misdeeds of a prominent now dead evangelical Christian apologist. And they had to kind of explain, let us tell you how journalism works. Can I tell you why it's bad that a man we all looked up to sexually harassed lots and lots of women or like, are you spelling it out beyond that? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's the same thing. I don't know how to tell you you're supposed to care about other people. Like that's, I I'm, I'd be very very curious to see the uh, the emails that came in yeah. after that first one that necessitated the second one. Yeah, I'm very curious. But now they published both things at the same time, which to me suggests they anticipated this was oh. going to happen. So they were trying to like preempt any rebuttals, any angry Christians. But like, oh, I misunderstood they've you. Gotten okay. in, they've gotten in trouble in the past for posting uh, stuff about sexual assault that, in a way, that was poor poor journalism like they would post stuff from like the pastor's point of view and they've gotten dinged for that and i'd like to think part of this is they've learned their lesson in terms of how to cover these stories and like i know a couple of the reporters there they do fine i i have more of a problem with their opinion people because they just hold values that are different from mine but again this is about as solid a quote-unquote christian publication will get and again they're basically saying yeah we confirmed every the rumors and so it's now up to, I mean, I don't think anything criminal is happening here. 
There's no one to pursue. I don't think these women will be able to get any justice right now other than getting their stories told. Right. Um, and again, they're not trying to capitalize off this. Their names are not public. They're right. hiding, like for good reason. They don't want to get harassed. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, that's an important story because that guy is still, if you go on YouTube and you look Christian apologist, um, you will find it. As an Indian atheist, he's one of the guys people would send to me, not Lee Strobel, who's written like the case for Christ. I would get mm-hmm. a lot of Ravi Zacharias. They're like, he's Indian. You're Indian. Read him. You'll get it. <laughs> you like, probably know him from the meetings. I know, right? We're probably related. But like, no, it, it's not any better arguments. So stop. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't help. Um, let me, <laughs> you're going to enjoy this because okay. it's local news and no one knows who the hell anyone's talking about, but it's still amusing. So I was on Facebook and I would get the local ads, mm-hmm. right? Like ads tailored to where I live, which means no one else is seeing them except people like us. And one of them came from a Republican who's running for the state Senate from uh, quite a ways south of Chicago, um, a rural, relatively speaking, area of Chicago. But his name is Eric. uh, Eric Wallace is his name. He's the Republican running for Illinois State Senate, which whatever local Republican running for state Senate against a Democratic incumbent who won by a little bit. It wasn't a blowout. Um, but he's running against a Democrat named Patrick Joyce. And Eric Wallace put out this ad uh, that basically said uh, that the Joyce campaign is attacking his Christian values. I'm going to read you the caption to the post that has this video. The left is mailing campaign pieces attacking my Christian values. This is what the left thinks is important. My priorities are getting kids back in school, allowing people back in church to worship, reducing the skyrocketing unemployment and help businesses remain open. Blah, blah, blah. Vote for me. Okay. Um, so he didn't. Here's the thing. He's holding up a little flyer that he says, this is attacking my Christian values. Yeah. He never he never published the flyer. He never posted a picture of the thing. So what do you do about that? And by the way, I asked the Joyce campaign, can you send me the flyer? They told me two things. One is no. And two, it's not ours. We didn't put that out. It must be some third party group, basically, that put out this flyer, some liberal group that's weighing in. It's not their ad. Okay, fine. So I'm not mad at them. But I'm like, I want to see this flyer and I can't find it anywhere. So I just zoomed in on the video as best I could. And I was like, what are they saying to mock this guy's Christian faith? How are they attacking his faith? All the flyer says, Eric Wallace basically supports uh, anti-abortion beliefs with no exceptions. And this I'm quoting, Eric Wallace opposes women making their own personal decisions, even when a woman has been raped or is a victim of incest. Basically, he's so anti-abortion he wants no exceptions to any state law, which to me, he says that's an attack on his Christian values. And sure. to me, I'm like, that sounds like they're just reciting your policy position. <laughs> like, when it's I not did, my fault that your Christianity <laughs> beliefs are abhorrent. Right. And I, I reached out to him, too. And I'm like, what did they get wrong in the flyer? Is that not a position you hold? And like, and again, can you tell me how they're attacking your Christian faith? He did not respond, but I did see the red receipt. I know they saw my question. They just didn't respond to me. Oh, but that, it, to me, that just strikes me as the same thing we're hearing about Amy Barrett, uh, Amy Cohen, Coney Barrett, which is like any criticism of her uh, beliefs as they might impact the law. 
they're just like, it's anti-Catholic. It's like, yeah. no, it's yeah. it's calling out a specific thing. Honestly, I am... <laughs> I cannot wait to see what kind of traction the anti-Catholic rhetoric is going to is going to gain because for, if the GOP, okay, if people genuinely think that Democrats are anti-Catholic when Joe Biden is our right. presidential nominee and we appointed Catholic, Obama appointed Catholics before, and Sotomayor is um, Catholic, and um, Nancy Pelosi, all Catholic. I think I will no longer believe that there is anybody with any kind of intelligence anymore because that is. Oh, oh, I'm way past you on that. They're gone. <laughs> but also, like, if she gets on, isn't that six out of nine? Yeah, six uh, out of nine people? will be Catholic. Yep, Christ. and the other three are Jewish. Um, Neil Gorsuch, I should say, uh, he's not Jewish. He is Episcopalian, but he was raised Catholic. He's not in that six. He's oh. one of the other. Two of them are Jewish. One of them is, is Episcopalian. So six and a half. <laughs> Six and a half, yeah. <laughs> I do have some actual genuine good news that I've been waiting to share forever that happened this week, which is that for several weeks now, a coalition of uh, atheist humanists have been working to launch a group called Humanists for Biden. And it finally launched this week. Um, and I was really excited about that. There, We'll post a video. There's a video that basically shows why uh, we know not every atheist, not every humanist is a Democrat and they don't all support Joe Biden. But our mm -hmm. argument is that we have a lot of values. It's not that we don't believe in anything. We believe in a lot of things. And Joe Biden overlaps with us on many of those. And that's why we're supporting him. Right. And for a lot of people, these are uh, groups and individuals that have never endorsed anyone publicly but they're basically saying, you know what, as a collective group, we are doing this. And I would also add the Biden campaign. There were people from the Biden campaign part of these discussions as we were going through it. It's not like we did this without their knowledge. They right. were a part of it. That is a big deal. I know it sounds like dime a dozen at this point because there are Muslims for Biden. Uh, today, there was uh, pro-life evangelicals for Biden. That came out today. But it's one of those like, I've never, I've been writing about this forever. I've never seen any Democratic campaign actively work yeah. with open atheists as part of their support. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a big deal. Um, the question now is, what do we do from here? How do we get more people involved and stuff? But I do appreciate that they didn't shy away from it. Um, and Again, I know that almost sounds like lip service and stuff like, all right, that's the least they could do. But I'm telling you, it not too long ago, if you had atheists uh, openly saying they were for any candidate, the opposition would use it against them. Right. And the campaign itself would try to run away from it. None of that is happening. The fact that it might not be a big deal to me mm -hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. I, if people say that's the least they can do. No, it's not. We've seen that for the last ever <laughs> it's not yeah. they can do they can do much much less yes <laughs> and have and have yeah there was uh there was an article in the atlantic this week that i realize came out like now a year and a half ago but it came out this week and it was fascinating you remember the atlantic also posted an article weeks ago saying like trump mocks soldiers he calls them losers and all that Turns out he does the same thing about religious people. With Christians, right? With oh, Christians. So good. Yeah. 
This is a report from McKay Coppins, who spent time interviewing Trump uh, before the election. He's written a lot about religion. Uh, Coppins is Mormon. And he said that in 2014, when I was interviewing Trump, uh, he said Trump started making fun of Mitt Romney's religion in private, but like making fun of the undergarments. I'm sorry. Michael Cohen said Trump would make fun of Mitt Romney's religion. Oh. And Cohen, Michael Cohen said, oh, my God, how many times did he bring up Mitt Romney and the undergarments? <laughs> and when McKay Coppins would bring up like some of this stuff and Trump would say something, McKay Coppins would chime in like, oh, I'm Mormon. And then Trump would shut up about it. <laughs> but among the other things, like, what did he say? This is a quote from the piece. Many of Trump's comments about religion in private are marked by cynicism and contempt. Former aides told me they've heard Trump ridicule conservative religious leaders, dismiss various faith groups with cartoonish stereotypes, and deride certain rites and doctrines held sacred by many of the Americans who constitute his base. Um, can we just sort of float how many of those, like, mocking comments were directed at the Jewish faith, would you say? Yeah, I'm sure it's not a small amount when it comes to like rituals and stuff that he doesn't know right. or respect or care to know about. It doesn't right. matter what he says openly like, oh, I love Jewish people. I'm my daughter is Jewish or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, no, he'll he'll make fun of it. And again, um, I have no problem criticizing religion, but that's not what he's doing. He's what? just ridiculing the exact sort of people who wear MAGA hats, not ironically, and go to his rallies Mm -hmm. And they refused to admit it. And by the way, before that article in The Atlantic was published this week, as any journalist would do, they emailed the Trump campaign for comment. Mm -hmm. And and what do you think the Trump campaign should have said? Um, any rumors that Trump has been disrespectful in public or private um, toward his toward his faithful fans no that's not it but any anything is slander it's fake news he would never say that he loves god yeah loves god more here's, than anyone else he knows here's what they actually said the president is also well known for joking and his terrific sense of humor which he shares with people of all faith no they did they did not deny any of it they just were like eh, he was joking that's it. And That's again, oh my of, God. All the of all the things Donald Trump is known for, being funny isn't on the list. He doesn't laugh. He barely smiles. And yeah. if he tells a joke, it's just calling someone else a name. Like Pocahontas is his yeah. joke. Right. It's not. Height of comedy. But that's his, yeah, that's his level of comedy. He's really the George Carlin of, of 2020. That's what I've always <laughs> said. Louis C.K. is a better analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what Senate Republicans did this week? Oh, they fuck did this something. Over? And how? Um, just tell me. I don't want to. They did it. not. They did not pass a COVID relief bill. Duh. Um, obviously, they didn't pass anything to help people, and they no. are working on rushing Amy Coney Barrett through the system. Mm -hmm. But they did pass a resolution saying the Pledge of Allegiance is awesome. They passed that. That is a thing. Did you know it was even under attack? This is news to me, and, and I know quite a bit about the pledge. Oh, my God. This like, is 
co-sponsored by 26 Senate Republicans sponsored or co-sponsored this bill, this resolution. It doesn't have any legal weight. It's basically- This is the Senate, not the House, right? This is the Senate. 27? 26 Republicans sponsored or co-sponsored this thing that says the Pledge of Allegiance has been a valuable part of life for the people of the United States for generations, and the Senate strongly defends the constitutionality of the Pledge of Allegiance, which might just be harmless rhetoric, except no one was attacking the pledge. It's not in the middle of a lawsuit. Michael Newdow isn't going after it or anything right now. Like, there's no challenge to it. It's just one of those things they're just like, we want to tell you we love America. Like no one was saying quarter. a quarter God. of the Senate was like a quarter yeah, of the Senate, half the Republicans in the Senate. Shit for me to be doing right now. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing else going on that I can think of. Nothing. So. And they didn't just vote on it, they friggin' co-sponsored this thing. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It's, yeah, annoying. They won't pass a COVID relief bill. They will do that. I have a palate cleanser for you, though. Here, the Satanic Temple, the Satanic Temple. We talked about them recently because they started a campaign saying, basically, we want to lay the groundwork so that you can claim you have a religious right to an abortion. And basically what they're saying is become a Satanist because our rules say you have bodily autonomy And in the case that Roe v. Wade is overturned and your state happens to be one where abortion is illegal, you should be able to go to court and say, well, I have a religious right to have it. Like if you say I can't have an abortion, you are violating my faith, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that those conservative judges are very afraid to touch. Right. Um, Using like the Hobby Lobby argument to say I did I deserve an abortion like I should be able to get one. And this is what they did a month ago. Like the Satanic Temple laid the groundwork for that. Whether it'll actually work in practice, who knows? But this month, they decided they wanted to put up uh, eight billboards in Arkansas and Indiana next to those Christian crisis pregnancy centers, those fake uh clinics that lure women in saying, we'll help you if you're pregnant. And really, all they do is try to convince you not to get an abortion. They wanted to put up eight billboards right outside those clinics. And I'm just going to, I know it's hard to describe, but one of the billboards says our religious abortion ritual averts many state restrictions and the picture that goes with that they have um a spoon and a cake batter and it says not a cake and then a fertilized egg picture that says not a baby that's one of the billboards another one uh this one is more risque what if abortion had been an option and it's a woman holding up a saluting hitler ooh yeah. yeah. And the other two are innocuous. That might enough. not be that persuasive to Here's, many people. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say I'm not okay with that one. If your argument, though, is that, and I said this with the atheist billboards years ago, too. If the argument is that you want to convince people who see the billboard to change their mind, you're right. That would probably not cut it. That's never the goal. The goal of these billboards is to get publicity uh-huh. any way you can get it and get the message out in that way. They don't actually care who sees the billboard. This is me talking, not them. Right. But I, this is the same with all those atheists. I made the argument years ago that people were complaining that the atheist billboards kind of looked amateurish in terms of graphic design. Some of uh-huh. them did. And my argument was it, they're not aiming 
to the people who look at the billboards. The goal is to get media coverage right. for the billboards right. and then get a statement out there. And that's yeah. what more people are going to see. So anyway, they also had one billboard that's mostly text that says pregnancy complications are the sixth most common cause of death among women between the ages of 20 and 34. And then in Ooh, big text. I just escaped abortion. that. <laughs> there you go. Big text, abortions save lives. And then at the bottom of the billboard, our religious abortion ritual averts many state restrictions. That to me is just, that's not offensive. They're just putting their opinion and their facts out there. But Lamar Advertising, the company that runs those billboards, who they like Satanists were ready to pay more than $16,000 for a month of all eight billboards to go up. Lamar Advertising rejected all four designs. They did not offer an explanation when the Satanic Temple said, just tell us what you don't like so we can fix it, which is a normal part of the process. They would not respond anymore. And now the Satan Satanic Temple has filed a lawsuit saying the company is guilty of a breach of contract. They said Lamar Advertising has accepted designs that are arguably more controversial. And this is a form of religious discrimination. Will it work? I don't know. But... I will say, filing the lawsuit got the billboards in a lot of media. Hmm. Um, were you aware that Mike Lee just tested positive for COVID? I I think we mentioned that at the very beginning of the show. Did yeah. We? Okay. Yeah. I, and he I, met I, with, Amy, he met with Amy Coney Barrett without masks. They yeah. Did pictures. you see his little little announcement about? <laughs> no, I, I didn't see the announcement. Okay. Yesterday morning, I was experiencing symptoms consistent with longtime allergies. Out of an, out of an abundance of caution, I sought medical advice and was tested for COVID. Unlike the test I took just a few days ago while visiting the White House, yesterday's test came back positive. Can we talk about that for a while? About how everyone's like, um, I just took a test and it was negative and now it's positive. Like, how do they think linear time works? Um, yeah. yeah. And again, it takes a it takes a little while to sink in. That's one of the concerns. Like if Trump tested positive, it's not like that's when the virus entered. You got to go back a day or two to try to figure out when might he have started feeling this? When did the symptoms start to set in? Um, I think one Democrat has said like everyone in the Capitol building needs to be tested. Anyone who met with Trump or his staff needs to be tested and quarantined. And and again, the Republicans are are just going to say, you're trying to jam up our Supreme Court nominee, which again... Who cares? Take make sure everyone's safe. Why would you not want to be safe? I have a here's a story that surprised oh, wait, hold on, me. Sorry, yeah. I want I wanted to finish. Um, oh please, Mike I'm Lee's sorry, thing. Mike Lee. Yeah, Go. like so many other Utahns, I will now spend part part of 2020 working from home. I've spoken with Leader McConnell and Chairman Graham and assured them I will be back to work in time for my Judiciary Committee colleagues in advancing the Supreme Court nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett in the committee and then to the full Senate. So don't worry. He's not going to let, let a life-threatening disease stop him. Get in him the way from... of making sure women have a life-threatening condition. Yep. Uh-huh. Thanks, Mike. Cool as usual. This Ooh. one not. Uh, oh, breaking news. University of, Notre Dame Pre- University of Notre Dame president test positive for coronavirus. That guy was at Amy Barrett, uh, Amy Coney Barrett's announcement hearing. Yep. He was not wearing a mask. Nope. People at Notre Dame took pictures of him saying, why is our school's president not wearing a mask sitting in like the front row of huh. this announcement? That is not surprising to me, again, at all, which, again, suggests 
that all these people who have now tested positive were in the same room outdoors, no mask, close contact a week ago. And if the Notre Dame president, and again, I don't know where he got it from, but if he's testing positive and these Republican senator, at least one, is testing positive and Trump's staff is testing positive, many of these people may have had the virus when they were all in close proximity to each other, Mm -hmm. which suggests more people have it than they are letting on. Keep in mind, these are only the people we know about. How many positive cases do we not know about? And you can take a wild guess. If if Amy Coney Barrett has it and is test positive for it, they would not. I mean, I'm not saying there's a scandal here. I'm saying they would not want that information getting out. Right. Like, that's what scares me, because I don't trust them to tell us the whole truth. I don't barely trust them to give us the partial truth. Oh my God. So that is not surprising and disturbing. That's real. Oh, my God. This is just... Like, what is going on today? Oh, is- oh, many things. Oh, my God. Um, can we <laughs> can we talk about something lighter? Sure. Okay. Um, Hemet, Matt Walsh, friend he of the show. The Catholic conservative blogger who always says the worst things. He is, uh, regularly has the worst possible take on whatever happens to be going on in the news. Um, he also is like, does, isn't he like, have cool youth pastor vibes like does he have uh, tattoos and shit he he try i don't yeah i think so i think he tries to give it off and then everyone makes fun of him yeah he's he, trying too hard yeah um <laughs> i mean he really does have like youth pastor sitting behind like sitting backwards on a chair vibes so anyway um he had yet another really cool excellent not weird take Um, He tweeted on the 28th, so a couple days ago now, every every day I see more grown adult men use emojis. There is no excuse for this. Emojis are for children and women. Do you think your great-grandfather would have been caught dead using emojis if the internet existed back then? Have some self-respect for God's sake. (laughs) And then he followed that up. Gifts so in his okay. mind, you're only Gifts a are okay, real though. Memes oh, are case by case. <laughs> Thank you for that nuanced clarification, Matt. <laughs> so when we talk about... <laughs> so in his mind, in order to be a real man, you must have a, I guess, working penis between your legs because uh-huh. you know he doesn't count trans men. No. no. And, and you cannot use an emoji because that revokes your man card. When we talk about toxic masculinity, sometimes it's just little shit like this. Like, fellas, is it gay to use a thumbs up emoji? (laughs) (laughs) I there was another one that was just making the rounds of um, God. What was it? Uh, It was like a bathroom in a bar, and over the sink, it was just painted on the wall. You don't need a mirror. You're a man. Fellas, is it gay to see your own face? Like, <laughs> the Remember those conservative preachers on YouTube? And not even YouTube, just conservative preachers who are like, if you touch yourself, you are gay because you are touching a penis. Therefore, you shouldn't touch yourself. Like that's their master- anti-masturbation <laughs> argument. 
Or the one about guys not wiping their own ass because nothing goes <laughs> near their butthole or whatever. I don't, I don't even know that one, but oh my god, that fits. That fits. That fits. Oh, hold on. Okay, you vamp. I'm gonna pull this one I up. This vamp. is a doozy. I'm gonna vamp about the. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll go on about this. Uh, John MacArthur. Uh, he is the pastor in California who very famously and stupidly refuses. Uh, to do masks in church. He's the pastor at Grace Community Church in California. He has said to a packed house of not socially distancing, not face mask wearing congregation, uh, the good news is you're here, you're not distancing, and you're not wearing masks. (laughs) And then in August, he said there's no pandemic. This is a guy who has tried to get his church to meet in person and the city is like, stop it. You are hurting people. We've talked about him before. Guess what came out this week? Not that everyone has COVID. He, we don't know that yet. But this week, uh, Warren Throckmorton, a journalist slash blogger professor, he got a tip from a volunteer at MacArthur's church who said their church makes all church volunteers and staffers at least volunteers, sign a three-page liability waiver that says, I acknowledge that participating, I'm paraphrasing, participating in this church's activities subjects me to the following risks, among others, including death or sickness from contracting COVID. And it says, while wearing a mask covering, the, and while wearing a mask covering your mouth and nose while in church is not required, I assume additional risks of possible injury and death by not wearing a mask. In, in short, what the pastor is telling his congregation is there's no pandemic. You don't need to do any of this. Let's meet. Let's not socially distance. Let's not wear masks. But for his staff, he's like, you need to acknowledge the virus is real. You need to acknowledge you're at a higher risk by not doing any of these things. And it's a totally different message because he doesn't want to get sued for saying the stupid things and having his own staffers believe the shit he's selling the gullible people in his church audience. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to point that out. Um, so I'm pretty sure that original story about, I guess somebody posted that her boyfriend refused to wipe his ass because it was gay. I think I thought they like interviewed somebody who actually did it. I do not think that it is real, but it is extremely funny. It is extremely funny. I had, I think, one more story for you. This one, actually, this was surprising to me, but it's an interesting story. Um, In 2016, a man whose name is, I believe, Chike, he has a long last name that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but a man named Chike began handing out Christian literature on the campus of Georgia Gwinnett College uh, in in that state. And again, he's a campus preacher. He's handing out material Everyone who's been to a public college like has seen something like that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. That in itself is not unusual. But the school said, you can't do that here. You are not in a free speech zone. But the free speech zone they had is very limited in mm-hmm. like area. And you could only be there certain times of day, which is hardly like free speech right there. Right. Because it's a public campus. Right. So, but you know what? He said, fine, I'll show up at your free speech zone. So he did that. And then someone accused him of disorderly conduct, which I don't know what the specifics of that are. I don't even know if that's an accurate description of it. But the school said, "Okay, you can't be here at all. Mm -hmm. And another guy who wanted to proselytize on campus decided, well, I saw what you did to him, so I'm not going to do it. 
Okay, so a right-wing Christian group decided to sue the school. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, they're usually on the other side of church-state separation cases. Here's what happened. They said, you are screwing these guys out of their free speech rights by saying they can't be here. Even when they tried to be here, you wouldn't allow them to be here. They followed your rules. They can't be here. That's wrong. So the school said, fine, we're going to change our policies, like change the free speech zone thing so that those two guys can preach on campus. So they changed the rules Mm -hmm. after the fact, which you would think, okay, great. No lawsuit anymore. Everything is settled. But here's the issue. The lower court said because the school changed its rules, those guys' rights, their First Amendment rights to to preach, their free speech rights, Mm -hmm. were not violated. Because the school passed this change, they don't owe these guys anything because they didn't break the law. They didn't. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's nothing in the court record that says the school did anything wrong. They're not guilty of anything, right? Okay. So what happens if another student at another school encounters the same problem? School says you can't be here. What happens? They got to file the same lawsuit again, mm-hmm. unless the court says what this school did is wrong. Therefore, it's got to stop and you got to pay a penalty for it in whatever way that is. Like we got to keep fighting these same battles. So the Alliance Defending Freedom Group, the right wing Christian group, filed a lawsuit saying we need a court to say the school did something wrong so we don't have to keep doing this over and over. Like in the future, if someone gets punished, they could just send a letter to the school saying, hey, look, this has already been settled. You are wrong. Stop it. Right. Right now, they can't do that. And they actually, over the course of a lot of legal, I'm going to yada yada the legal journey here, the Supreme Court just said, we will take up this case sometime in the next year. So Mm -hmm. they're going to weigh in on whether the school did something wrong and deserves to be punished for it. So that's a separate issue. Supreme Court will deal with that. Here's what's interesting. This is why I want to bring this up. Their supporters, the Alliance Defending Freedom, the right-wing, hard-right Christian group, Their supporters in this case include the ACLU, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, the American Humanist Association. All of these groups have written briefs saying, yeah, we're with their side here. We're with the Christian preachers. They're saying, yeah, free speech speech applies to them too. We don't like them. (laughs) But uh, one of the things the AHA's attorney, Monica Miller, wrote is taking away from citizens the only remedy available in such cases jeopardizes the rule of law itself. Mm -hmm. Now is not the time to embolden the government to experiment on our liberties. (laughs) And the fact that she even said this in the brief, um, now is the time to instill confidence in an anxious America and celebrate a constitutional heritage strong enough to unite the likes of the American Humanist Association and Alliance Defending Freedom. Wow. Yeah. So like the First Amendment groups, the church state separation groups and the hard right Christian groups are all saying, look, the school did something wrong. We need the Supreme Court to step in and admit that so mm-hmm. we can all just move on and use that in the future, which doesn't happen often. I just want to point out like, it's harder for the Supreme Court to say you're all wrong when normally these are enemies of each other that are now working together. So that's it. All right. I'm going to sign off in a little bit. I'm sure like 90 other people in the administration have COVID. Joe Biden does not as of this writing. I got that. Interesting. President of Notre Dame does. I think I already said 
Or did I say that out loud? I, I will say this. Here's a prediction for you. And it's not a prediction. I'm saying I would be shocked. I would not be shocked if they said, here's a bunch of Republicans who now test positive. Mm-hmm. I would be genuinely shocked if anything happens to derail the confirmation hearings of uh, Amy Coney Barrett, which are scheduled to start, uh, I think, on the 12th, like it, a little over a week from now. The Republicans do not want to delay that. They want to vote on her before Halloween, before the election. I would be shocked if they realized the problem was so serious that they're like, fine, we're going to delay it. That's the one thing I think that would shock me at this point about that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I am not allowing myself to be optimistic, but I am curious as to how the next week or so plays out, because this is like. Give it two hours. I I I cannot know what's going to happen in the next two hours. Yeah, it's just it's just an interesting. I feel like everything's about to change. You know, like the the president I, having having it, and that's that's unprecedented, right? Man, yeah. It, I mean, it's one of many things that's unprecedented. Right. I. I I would be less surprised if they canceled the second presidential debate than if they said we're going to delay by even like a minute the confirmation I, hearing. Yeah, I assume they're going to sub. I here's my prediction. I assume they're going to say, "Well, Trump can't go to the debate because he's sick," and Joe Biden goes anyway and has a town hall all all on his own. <laughs> that would be that would be fine. Fine, let him. Um, I'm sure that's part of Biden, uh, the Trump campaign strategy, too, because they genuinely think if you let him talk, he'll he'll eat his foot at some point, put his foot in his mouth. Um, Who knows? All right. We should end before more news comes and (laughs) get rid of this. Okay. But uh, where do we find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Oh, (laughs) so yesterday was my birthday and haven't posted something about my birthday, which was a shock. And somebody immediately was Happy like birthday, by the way, on the oh, podcast. I realized I didn't say it on the episode. <laughs> um, somebody like immediately was like, mm, I don't like her voice. So being a woman in media continues to be a delight and a privilege. Um, but anyway, so you can find me there. You don't have to hear my voice. You can just read my all cap tweets. Um, email us at friendly podcast at gmail.com. Um, hey, we still have a store. Friendly Atheist Podcast at Gmail, or excuse me, Friendly Podcast.com. There's a store button, I think. Um, so buy like a shirt or a onesie or a mug. I don't know what we sell. Um, that's we sell it. babies. We sell we babies. We sell fully formed babies. Yeah. Um, Hammond, where can we find you, bud? I am at Hammond Meta on Twitter. Uh, please check out my new newsletter. It's uh, friendlyatheist.substack.com or find me on YouTube, Friendly Atheist. Uh, that would be awesome. Cool. I'm going to go watch the Cubs end their postseason hopes in a little bit. It'll be fun. <laughs> I'm almost through Ratchet, which is very good if anybody's <laughs> looking for it. Oh, I forgot. Leave a five-star review on um, on um, on iTunes. I'm going to read one right now. I had it pulled up. Is it still? It was not. Is it? Is it? No, it's right here, though. Um, so you can go on iTunes or however you listen um, and leave us reviews. It helps more people find us and it inflates my ego. Um, there you go. This one is from uh, Hammer, whoop, Hammerabai. Hammerabai. Hammurabi. Hammurabi. 
Wow. Can you cut those uh, attempts out? Because I don't need that. I will kind of not. Fuck in my life. Fuck. Uh, Hammurabi says, uh, look, a five-star review. Um, I don't really have a joke or anything. I just want the podcast to have this ratings bump and for everyone who hates Jessica's laughter to keep dying mad about it. You and me both, <laughs> my friend. Um, all right. Have so a good we'll week, everyone. Next week when the whole world changes again. Yes. Bye. Bye.